Welcome to Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever, the Janet Jackson podcast where two cousins discuss all things Janet Jackson. We are excited today to talk about perhaps the most legendary collaboration to ever occur, and that is Michael and Janet Jackson's Scream. My name is Courtney, and I'm here with my cousin. Cousin Cam, and we are joined with our special guests, our other cousins from the MJ cast, Q. Hey, g'day. How you going? And Jamon. Hello. It's Jamon. It's Jamon, but it's okay. It's okay. Nobody gets it. It's annoying. I hate my name. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, guys. Before we go any further, I have to say this. Thank you so much for your support. You guys have been supporting the Jenna Jackson podcast, and it just means so much to have you guys out there sharing with your fans about our podcast. And I just got to say thank you so much. We've got to keep our cousins happy. Otherwise, who's going to bring the Rotel to the cookout? (laughs) (laughs) With the scoops. Scoops, scoops. (laughs) Yeah, and you guys have always answered when we called. But we certainly appreciate you jumping on with us and having this conversation. And the reason we wanted to talk about Scream is we all know that there's a lot going on in the MJ fam. Mm Mm-hmm. MJ fam is really trying to mount and rally against inflammatory documentaries that is coming out on HBO. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of passion around that right now. So we just wanted to do what Janet would do. And that is jump on and support her brother. That's right. Uh, And so that's why we wanted to have this conversation uh, about Scream, the legendary collaboration. And we're so thankful that you guys were up for it at this time that's a little challenging in the mj fam yeah well this is relaxing this is actually a big breath of fresh air for us so i think we were both yeah we were both looking forward to it it's it's probably also getting us into the mode of recording again so we can probably come out of break in maybe a couple of weeks or so so this is this is good. So we started a little bit with the MJ cast. Uh, tell us a little bit about your show. Well, we're a, uh, a Michael Jackson podcast and a Jackson family podcast. Actually, we we mainly talk about Michael, but we we try to you know touch on all the other different members of the Jackson family as well. Uh, in our show, we do we do news and discussion mainly um, in our regular episodes, and then we also put out special episodes where we interview people who knew and worked with with Michael and Janet. Um, and uh, we can't wait for a great season five that we're going to kick off in a couple of weeks' time. That's it. And, of, of course, you guys, our cousins, you are our Janet Jackson correspondents. So as <laughs> yeah. of last year when you guys launched your show, we had to invite you to be our expert. It's our pleasure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely our pleasure. Now, podcasts are not easy. There are a lot of work and they also are a lot of fun, too. <laughs> But why do you do what you do with MJ Cass? I think really like to to answer why we do what we do, you've got to go back to when we really first started, you know, nearly five years ago. And at the time, there really wasn't a lot of Michael Jackson podcasts out there uh, in the world. I think there was Moonwalk Talks uh, had released an episode or two and that was really it. So I'd been a fan of podcasting for many, many years and enjoyed lots of different podcasts. And it really bugged me that Michael you know, wasn't represented in that space. So first of all, the, the you know, we wanted to, to represent Michael there as big fans. And secondly, um, I think one of the reasons we started it was because there are legitimately a lot of people out there that aren't really lucky enough to have what uh, our friendship circle has, which is a close knit uh, group of, of 
Jackson family fans that talk regularly on the phone and meet uh, in real life about about Michael and Q and I have been lucky to have that um, with a group for many years and um, we sort of I I know I took it for granted for many years just thinking everybody has that but um, <laughs> you know it turns out not everybody does so we we sort of came up with the idea of capturing those conversations we regularly always had. Um, and putting them out for people around the world who didn't have that to enjoy. And, you know, whether it was somebody going to work on a long commute or recovering in hospital from something or, you know, just generally trying to get through something in life. Um, and they're the, we get a lot of correspondence back from people that, and that's what warms my heart the most, that we can bring some entertainment and some happiness to people around the world. So I think that's why we started it. <laughs> That's such a good reason. They're my favorite letters to get. The people that they don't have the fan friends, the MJ mates in real life, the the ones that they can talk about, you know, Latoya on The Masked Singer or on The Cooking Show or, you know, the Jacksons that just toured Australia and New Zealand. They are the best feedback we get. And I also I think, Jamin, you'd agree that um, I can say from my personal experience, I it, yeah, podcasting isn't easy and it takes a lot of time and a lot of attention, but I feel like I owe that to Michael Jackson and the Jackson family. Like off, after all they've given us mm -hmm. and all Michael sacrificed in his life, mm -hmm. it's my, mm -hmm. I feel like I've found something that I can give back and that makes me feel really good. Yeah. You guys really yeah. do such an excellent job. And I it's never ceases to amaze me that the show you guys are going into your fifth season and the passion and excitement and exuberance that you had on the very first episode I listened to, which was episode <laughs> one, is still there, you know, and and that speaks not only to you guys as fans and, and fan base, but also to the power of Michael Jackson, right? And for us, the power of Janet Jackson, we wouldn't do this for anybody, you know? Um, <laughs> and I don't think you could sustain this for anybody, right? Like, I don't know that there's anybody else that I could sustain this level of excitement and enthusiasm and support for. Mm -hmm. Now, we know you mostly deal in Michael Jackson, but in order to really be a cousin, you need to share with us... A uh, favorite Janet Jackson moment. It could be a song, a movie, a performance. But yeah, we need to make sure that you can sit at the table with the Janet Jackson. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll let you. I'll. You can step up to the table first, Jamin. What What have you got for us? All right. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, I am a huge Janet fan and I probably don't know as many facts and details of everything about her life and career as I do about Michael. But I became a Janet fan pretty much soon after I became a Michael fan. Because her when I became a Michael fan, her um album All For You was like massive at that time in in mm -hmm. the early two thousands. It was like number one everywhere in Australian charts and the song All For You was huge. And um I fell in love with her back in the early two thousands and uh, mm -hmm. Since and I'm pretty familiar with with her catalog, so I I would say the song I enjoy the most changes all the time, and it's usually <laughs> like, and to be honest, it's not the big hits that I enjoy week to week these days. It's sort of like the deep cuts. Um, there's a song from Demita Joe that I'm really loving at the moment called "Thinking About My Ex," okay. which um I love. It's got incredible harmonies all the way through it. Um, my wife hates it when I listen to the song. I thought. <laughs> Obvious reasons. <laughs> and I'm not thinking about my ex when I listen to the song. She's like, but are you audibly <laughs> subtweeting me? <laughs> no, but the uh, but the um 
the, the her vocal harmonies in that song are incredible. But that's you know that's just what I'm enjoying at the moment. Um, the, the my all time favorite Janet Jackson song is is definitely um, "Got Till It's Gone" from Velvet Rope. Okay. Uh, it's well, okay. it's just my number one song. I'm a big fan of it because I'm I'm a big fan of uh, the Solquarians, who were a loose sort of collective of. Uh, neo soul and hip hop artists from the late '90s, like Questlove and Common and Erica Badu and Jay Dilla, and um, her experimenting with that sound of neo soul was such a mature sound for her in that mm-hmm. era. And I absolutely love that song. In f- yeah. And interestingly, it was produced. The video for that was produced by Mark Romanek, who was the producer. Mm-hmm. For, uh, sorry, the the director uh, for the Scream video. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so you definitely get to sit at the table because you're hitting us with facts <laughs> and figures and you went deep on Demita Joe, which not everybody I, off the street can do. <laughs> I love Demita Joe. It doesn't get anywhere near as much love as it deserves. You know, um, the Kanye track on there, I Want You, it is a great, great yes. album. Yeah, okay, well. <laughs> I love it. That's probably my favorite, like, oh, not my, I, I wouldn't say it's her best album, but it's my favorite Janet album to listen to. I feel like basis. that's fair. We just had a conversation about I Want You mm-hmm. and uh, Cam and I are in two separate camps, but I feel <laughs> I will affirm your feelings about Tamina Joe. <laughs> and I but got yeah, your I back. <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah. Q, are you ready to finesse and, and amaze us with your Janet Jackson selections? So I'm coming to the table. Uh, Rhythm Nation was my first ever cassette. That was my mm-hmm. my first ever, not the family cassette. That's what I got for Christmas. Santa delivered that to me. My sister did <laughs> steal it out of my Christmas stocking and say that it was hers. But then <laughs> mum had to correct her and say, no, I think Santa did give that to your brother. So Rhythm, <laughs> Rhythm Nation was my first cassette. My first ever concert was the Janet Tour. So I, my dad really? and I went to that. Yeah, that was my first ever concert. And uh, that was 93, was it? 92? Yeah. 93 90, or 94. 93, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, so I bring that to the table. Um, I will give you a real quick short list of tracks that I was debating because it changes all the time. But I've got Miss You Much, Love Will Never Do, Rhythm Nation, All For You, Damn Baby, All Night Don't Stop. But I tell your mama, I tell your friends, I tell anyone who I can comprehend, miss you much. Miss you much made my number one today. You my cousin. (laughs) (laughs) We will never question your membership in the jam fam. Never. Never. You got the gold membership. We get a badge. (laughs) Let's get into our song, which is Scream. Yeah. And uh, this single was actually released on May 31st, 1995. It was the first single from Michael Jackson's History album. And I must say, all I remember is the trailer for when this album dropped. Scream, to me, is probably one of the best duets that's out there. Absolutely agree. What a combination. (laughs) Mm. Yes. This was one of the maybe first and only songs to enter the Hot 100 at number five. Bam. That was pretty tremendous. It did not make it to number one in the U.S. It reached number one on the R&B and hip-hop singles, and I was number one in over eight countries. 
And it's interesting, too, that it really took so long for it to happen. Mm-hmm. We know that prior, Michael had asked Janet after the Rhythm Nation album to do a duet. And uh, she basically said she didn't think the timing was right. And she later went on to explain that she felt like she needed to establish herself as a solo artist and separate herself from standing in her brother's shadows. And also she wanted to stand on equal footing. Um, The maturity she had at such a young age, like she was 23 and she was like, no, I haven't earned this place yet. I want to be able to stand on my own when we do this. I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm. too many other people would have said that. Would have been interesting to hear the sound if they had done something earlier. Would have been a very different Mm. vibe. Absolutely, I think as well. Yeah, I think they collaborated together in 82 on PYT. And then I suspect, I'm not 100% sure, but they were on... um, was Janet on 2300 Jackson Street? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. She was. So that they they did do stuff together, um, but not an all out duet, obviously, like we saw in Scream. That was their first time really, really collaborating as equal partners on a song. And to me, the one thing that stands out about Scream is that everything that Michael was going through. Scream was his song to say, hey, you know, enough is enough. I'm tired of these tabloids. I'm tired of these allegations. And I really felt like he was just to the point to where he had just was at his breaking point. And I know on other song, other albums, you know, he had Why You Want to Trip on Me and Leave Me Alone. But Scream and Bringing Them Janet was just like their battle cry. Like, I got my brother's back. And Michael was just, it's kind of ironic that now he's not here. But these allegations and now... You know, it's up to his family and his estate to defend his name once again. It's a yeah. different different playing field now. I sort of there's a bit of criticism against some of the family and some of the estate for maybe not being as vocal as in the past. The estate are, you know, writing letters and they just filed a lawsuit. How successful that might be in preventing the distribution of this documentary is yet to be seen. Um and people are like, where is Janet? Where is the where is the family? We've seen Jermaine, we see Taj, and yeah, they released a general statement, but it's it's a different playing field now, and a lot of people actually giving Janet a bit of slack and saying, well, she could finance this documentary that Taj is putting together to counter this trash stuff that's coming out. And you know what? They're fair questions. But then yesterday I sat down and I watched um, February. So this this very month, Janet performed in Japan, two concerts in Japan. She still has Scream in her set list. And I was like, okay, there's Janet. There's Janet's support. Mm-hmm. She is still doing that right now with this, this very track. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. When you look back at Janet's... Um history of defending Michael, there's never a moment really when she came out and did an all-out interview about the allegations or, um, you know, Michael's relationship with with children. She never really did that. But she defends Michael in really clever, poignant ways, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. which I have always appreciated as a Michael Jackson fan. Like, for example, in her um, at the MTV Awards, I think it was in 95 when she wore the pervert two shirt to like, you know, poke yes, fun at yes. the media. Hey, if he, if my brother's a pervert, then I am too, you know, like that, that kind of thing. The song Scream, um, you know, performing that posthumously, uh, when Michael passed away, I think on MTV again, or was it the Grammys? I can't remember, but it was MTV. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Janet's always been there for Michael and defended him, you know, in her way artistically. And I appreciate that. Yeah, there was an interview, I guess, around 1995. 
I'm trying to place it because she had the runaway hair. So the hair she had was about 95. <laughs> and uh, she was very direct in that interview, saying that she did not believe the allegations. Mm. And in fact, she said that um, w- if if those children were harmed, you know, and she put herself in the place with their parents, she said, would I accept money instead of going to the police? She's like, no, that would never suffice. If I believe my children were harmed, um, I would want justice. You know, she even said, I would want you. <laughs> she said something crazy, like, I would want you in jail or dead for the rest of your life, which I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But, you know, she was very direct that one time. But I think that the way that she deals with this is just like you said, Jamin, which is through her art, um, through her expression, and by indignantly going on and indignantly loving him and loving him out loud. Mm. She will not ever let you make her feel like she should be ashamed of her brother and she will never be ashamed of her brother. And no matter what is going on, no matter what the climate, her love is unwavering. You know, Cammie and I talk about like that's every concert we've gone to. Like that's one of the best moments is when she does scream live. And part of it is because she stands there and she watches his portion and she yells, come on, Mike. And then she dances yeah. like every time, like she's, it's the first she's time. She's swinging elbows. She's like, yes. come on, Mike. And then she is swinging elbows and she is. And then her mic switch or the feed or whatever it is, is because she comes out of if and then, you know, come on, Mike. And then the mic is switched on or it's a different yeah. feed. And it is, yeah. it is angry Janet. It is in those elbows. <laughs> yes, yes. And she does it every time. And so, you know, there was question of would she continue to do that? And I never questioned it. I knew she would um, because she's never not been there for her brother. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm remembering a video of them in the car leaving the courtroom one day and like Janet and Michael are yelling at people out of the window. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I think that moment was because one of the reporters was trying to get to Catherine or it was something to do with them, their mother and they were yeah. trying to talk to Catherine or something like that, like that. So they had to d- defend their mother. Yeah. So I'm like, they, they stand for each other. So yeah. it is interesting that the, the way that the pro- project is working out and the financing and this or that. But I, you know, I always say there's probably more to it than we know. Oh, um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need to respect that Janet has a close enough relationship with her nephew to, I mean, Janet's not going to go on his GoFundMe page and give like $500,000 or something like that. <laughs> right. Because if, if if she did that, like people would then criticize how much she gave. I think it's really rich of people to actually assume she's not supporting Taj behind the scenes. Exactly. Um, first of all. And she's not going to come out and overtly support Michael Jackson's estate because, you know, it was only a few years ago that she she wrote, you know, put forward a legal demand that the estate step down because she doesn't believe they're legitimate. Right, right. So <laughs> the estate themselves, the executors, are probably the last people Janet wants to support. But I I, <laughs> I would assume that she is communicating with Taj behind the scenes about what he's doing. Well said. Um, Get us back on track. Okay. Scream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with Scream, it was actually the first time that Michael got a chance to work with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I know Janet asked... Um, Jimmy and Terry to uh, produce this track for Michael and I think that they actually did a great job with the production Um, and it actually brought out more of a aggressive side of Janet that I really hadn't seen I know Black Cat she was you know showing her rock side but with this track you felt like Janet took it personal even when she 
was saying her lyrics and and coming after Michael's, you know, first. Janet was just on a whole nother level of this time. I really mean it, you know, leave my brother alone. Mm. And I always think about how, especially in the video, how you can see her hair spiked up and she's just got this different type of energy and, and, and vibe as if she herself understands what he's going through and is trying to portray it, you know, through this song. Yeah, I agree totally. And she is so powerful in that video. Um, you know, she's, <laughs> she's subverting the typical sort of sexy female image that were in so many videos at that time and replaced that with like being a powerful, dominant, protective force um, that was there for her brother in that time of absolute need. Like, it's important to remember that in this time period, they recorded this song, even though it came out in 95, they recorded this song or around about 12 months after um, those allegations broke in 93. They recorded the song in 94. It was October 94. Yeah. 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 So, like, this, the story of Geordie Chandler and the allegations were everywhere. It was everywhere in the media at the time. Mm -hmm. So, this was a really a direct response um, by them to how um, Michael was being portrayed in the media. And also, you know, how Janet, you know, um, were portrayed by, was portrayed, or the family was portrayed by certain media outlets as well. Yeah. And I remember. Around this time, Michael had to cancel like the last part of his dangerous tour. He had to check into rehab. Mm -hmm. And I just remember just seeing how the tabloids were hounding him. I think they even Mm -hmm. were like trying to catch pictures of him coming out of treatment. They wouldn't let up. They didn't. There, there were reports at the time. They were saying when he went into rehab, there were reports saying that actually what he was doing was going to Europe to get um, more, you know, cosmetic surgery. And they were mm-hmm. going to give heaps of money to the person who could get the first picture of him coming back from Europe with all of his new cosmetic surgery. It was absolutely disgusting what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually think what Janet did in that video was really clever. I mean, she was giving so many different images in that video, in my opinion, just to bait the press, you know, like she's grabbing yeah. her breasts in her bikini. She's giving the middle yeah. finger. She's imitating, you know, peeing in a urinal like a, a male. Yeah. It was all, to me, it's all like, you know what? <laughs> she was baiting the press with that video, giving the finger to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and Cam mentioned that this song was uh, produced by Jimmy and Terry, which was their very first time working with uh, Michael Jackson. Of course, we know Janet had worked with them a lot. And that got me to thinking, like, it was really interesting um, that this song, which would go on to become the first single off of the History album, uh, really, they put it in Janet's hands. Uh, they, Sony asked her to find the producers. Um, and obviously, she, you know, she went right around the corner and got Jamie Jam and Terry Lewis. Um, but also, they eventually asked her to pick the the director for the video. Um, and Jamie and Terry, when they were putting together the song, so Jam talks about how when um, they were asked, obviously they were ecstatic and it was their first time working with Michael. So they would run things by Janet before they would let Michael hear the demo tracks. And so they had actually put together five tracks and they played them for Janet. And uh, of them, she isolated Scream. She said, I think that's the one he's going to pick. And that's eventually the one that they ended up writing to. Um, But there was another one in there that was written for a duet with Michael and Janet that actually made it to become a Janet single and that was Runaway so that track 
was in the running as well for a duet with Michael and Janet. Which I think would have been pretty sweet. Yeah. I think we can all admit, like, that would have been also if there was to be a second duet. Yeah, that would be the one mm. for sure. That would that be, would the be one. so fun, yeah. I think with the uh, Jimmy Jam Terry Lewis production on this track, it was unlike any other song on the radio at that time. Mm-hmm. It was so unique. And in some ways that could go against it, especially for radio play and success. But it did really well on the radio. I remember the very first time I heard it on the radio, I knew that it was coming out soon i had uh, like a a little radio playing in my bedroom and i was in the bathroom doing my hair for school that day and i heard something in the background and i was like you could instantly tell it was a jackson track Mm -hmm. i raced into that bedroom there was already a cassette in there i hit record (laughs) on the radio (laughs) taped it and you know then i had to go to school and not hear it again for the rest of the day and that was really hard but it was unlike any Michael track we'd heard before. It was unlike any Janet track we'd heard before. And it was really the perfect way for Michael to make his comeback and and for Janet to join him alongside and, and support her brother. <laughs> yeah, definitely, Q, I agree. And I think a lot of Michael fans uh, would agree that the music that Michael and, and Janet created with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and even the other Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis songs on the History album are some of the most creative um, pieces that Michael ever did. Uh, Like, you know, songs like Tabloid Junkie, I think Too Bad. These are dark, Mm -hmm. gritty, funky, just infectiously rhythmic songs, New Jack-inspired songs that were just... uh, To me, the History album and his work with, with Jimmy Jam and Terry is his creative peak. And I wish Michael had gone on to do a lot more work with them, actually. Yeah, that would have been awesome. You know, I read somewhere today that apparently the knowledge is sampled somewhere in the song. I don't know if that's true, but... Yeah, I think um, John Cameron talked about that in his podcast. Ah, I did not know that. I didn't either. I know, I know. Now I'm like, so usually whenever we have a conversation, I look up to see where the various samples come from and I didn't do it and I missed the gym. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Apparently, Uh I, I haven't picked it before, but... I think it's yeah. buried way, way deep in there. It's like a little part of like a, a bass or a drum loop or something yeah. like that. It's and Michael was sneaky. Michael was doing that a lot at the time, um, and not just in his album tracks, but Michael was sampling Janet in his live stuff, like um, in you know in the middle of the da- in Dangerous. Um, there's a Janet vocal oh, yes. sample in there. Yeah, and I think he also did a uh, sampled a little bit of you. I, I know you want this in there too when he performed it on the MTV. Um, a music awards in 95 so yeah he did put bits and pieces of janet in his performance and i love that performance i watched it the other yes. day and i love the moment at the end of it where janet is just like shaking her head in awe at how awesome her brother is <laughs> yes um, I, I was gonna ask in the video what is your favorite look of janet or michael or both because it, it covers so much in the video and their image sort of changes in every scene. Mine is when she's singing her part. Oh my God, I can't believe as I saw it's a turn on TV. That uh-huh. part. Mm-hmm. Michael is gliding. It looks like he's just He is walking so fresh. Yes. On the side. <laughs> and I'm just. <laughs> every time, if you watch that video, sometimes like whenever she's in the forefront, I don't even watch uh-huh. her. 
I'm just looking for where Michael is. He's like on the ceiling. He's like moonwalking behind her. He's doing the robot. Like all kinds of things are happening behind her. So sometimes I just watch him and then I'll turn it and watch it again and I'll just watch her. Of course, I know you agree where they're playing the uh, ping pong game together. And, and it made me think that's how they were when they were you know, younger. Just you know, being silly and having a good time with each other. And super competitive. We can't forget that. Oh, yeah. When they talk about recording this song, you know, they actually ended up recording in two studios. And the (laughs) reason being, they started off, I think, at the Hit Factory. Is that right, Cam? Yeah. Right. So Michael records his verse first. And they're all in the studio together. Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis and Janet. Michael records first. And the plan was for Janet to record her verse after Michael's delivery. And Janet was like, hmm. I'm going to record mine a little later. So she goes back to her studio and she does her part and nails it. So they send the copy to Michael and Michael was like, why is her vocal so good? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I need to go there. I need to go to Minneapolis. (laughs) Yes. 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 Yeah, so he flies to Minneapolis and <laughs> records his verse again as well. So it was it was just I think how they've always been. Like they love each other, but they push each other to be the best. Yes. Yeah. And another funny story about that is uh Jam tells the fact that Michael spent like days working on a hand clap. <laughs> It was a very competitive environment around that song. And we've heard as well from choreographers who've spoken about in the video that even between Travis Payne and Lavelle Smith Jr. and Tina Landon, that it was a quite a competitive environment where they all had different ideas that they wanted to get in that video. Um, yeah. Was, that, yeah. was there a great interview with Tina Landon with uh, Kelly Alexander and she spoke about that? Yes, absolutely. There is a, an entire, I think, Scream episode with Tina Landon um, and Kelly Alexander. And yes, she talks about this, the competitive nature. And also the, you know, MTV, this was when M- the Jacksons ruled MTV VH1. Yes. And so there was a making of the Scream video that aired and it showed all the choreographers there together and it aired during michael jackson weekend on mtv which they used <laughs> which to do used frequently to it's just like you would <laughs> they would dedicate an entire weekend to michael jackson and you would only see michael jackson um material for that entire weekend and vh1 used to do it too no one remembers mm-hmm. it i promise you vh1 I- used to have the jackson family <laughs> reunion at least once a month like I know those people did not get together as often as VH1 wanted us to believe, but they had the Jackson family reunion at least once a month and they would only play videos by the Jackson. But yeah, so on the, the MTV behind the scenes, you've got Sean Cheeseman, Tina Landon and Lavelle and Travis Payne uh, talking about the various uh, aspects and the differences between, you know, choreographing for Michael Jackson and choreographing for Janet Jackson and one of the things I remember them saying is like you know Michael floats and glides and you know he's smooth and they're like Janet thrashes you know <laughs> like she, she just moves differently she thrashes you can see that they each borrowed a bit of each other's style mm. as a part of that video you could you could see Jan doing more of the like pelvic thrust and hips and all of that stuff that Michael was doing. And, and yeah, they got Michael. He was much more uh, exaggerated and pronounced in his movements. And so again, like the two of them just like, you know, steel sharpens steel or is it iron sharpens iron? I don't know which it is, but they made each other stronger. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, and it shows. I mean, the video was very successful, wasn't it? It went on to win, mm-hmm. I think, the MTV VMA and or, uh, three of them, actually, and a Grammy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In general, the song did, and the video did very well. I think in 1995, it won Best Choreography um, at the MTV yeah. Music Awards, which, you know, obviously they deserve, but it's also pretty funny because that video probably had less choreography than any Michael or Janet Jackson video you ever saw. <laughs> yeah, we, we expected a bit more dancing, like a bit more sort of dancing together. And we got the breakdown, thank God. Oh, but, how uh, good is it? Yeah, which is flawless and the most amazing moment in sort of musical sibling history, especially captured on film. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of us were probably surprised that it didn't have more choreography because these were two iconic dancers at the time. I remember thinking that there definitely would be more dance. And so I remember the very first time I saw the video and like I'm waiting with bated breath for like these elaborate routines. And Mm. when it didn't come, I was a little disappointed, but you know, it was so good that it didn't matter. Like, you know, the story they were telling and the visual displays and everything. But I do remember being a little disappointed. Like, so when are y'all going to dance? And then also to have, also to have just watched the making of this because you know it was always a big deal so the making of it came on and then the video premiered at the end and I'm like there's four choreographers here you guys could have had 75% less choreographers for the amount of dancing that is going on here that is so true and I think that's the result really of having like an art house director on the video like Mark Romanek at the time you know, um, this is the guy that directed a one-hour photo. He's a pretty, you know, art house <laughs> right, sort of director. Right, right. Um, he's got like Japanese animation, Akira, Vampire Hunter D stuff going on in the background. Like, <laughs> it's right, actually right. very, uh, very interesting choice, I think, for Michael and Janet to get him. But you've got a video that stands the test of time now. That's an art piece to itself. Unto itself, it, absolutely. it really does stand the test of time. I watched the video yesterday. It had been a while since I'd sat and just focused on the video. And it really still stands the test of time. And I don't know if I'm allowed to drop a swear word, but it, it you know, it <laughs> poops on all the other videos that you sort of see coming <laughs> out now. Yeah, swear word cue. Well, I didn't, they didn't say. I don't know if they have. We have the explicit you guys tag. Have an explicit tag? I don't no. want to be the one to make it. See, there you no, go. I don't want you to make us not safe for work, but I think you could have gotten away we're, with that one. But the poop is even we, better. We, like, it, it just yeah, made my day. So, thank Charlie you for that. Charlie dropping the C-bomb on our latest episode. But, yeah, this, this video is really stood out. And I think it was because of the choice and director, which was very interesting. Janet talks about when she made the selection and kind of took it to the team and they kind of looked at her sideways like, you know, this guy doesn't shoot dance. Right. And even Mark Romantic was like, you know, I don't shoot dance. Right. And so everybody's like, <laughs> what is happening it's here? Michael and Janet. <laughs> right. Um, and they had to like coax him kind of, not a lot because it's Michael and Janet Jackson, but like to get him comfortable to be like, yes, I will include a dance break. But I think that is a large <laughs> portion of why it was so short because, you know, his style was to focus on all these other elements. And um 
for him, choreography was less important. But I think we got a diff- completely different thing than we would have gotten with any other director. Um, I, I, I don't think any other director would have taken Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson and were like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a spaceship that looks like a computer mouse. (laughs) 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 But can I just say this? For $7 million, you better give Michael a dance break. (laughs) 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 We talking about $7 million back then. That's a lot of money. (laughs) You're paying four choreographers. Get a dance break in there. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, every time I think about this video, I think about like seven million dollars. What could like I'm trying to add it up, and I'm thinking there's a lot that could go. Like I feel like back, I feel like in '95, all of those graphics they were putting on those TVs that said very mundane things like recreation. <laughs> you you could have kept that. Uh, I'm just hoping most of it went on the sets and the costume because those oh. sets were ginormous. They Humongous, were. Huge sound stages and not just one, like multiple sound stages. They at were the, five, at the five, five stages and 10 sets. There you go. There's the money right there. That, who's paying yeah. for the costumes then? Because even those, that spiky, the black spike and the white spiky yeah. jumpers. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, shirts. You guys would call them shirts. I think we would just call them jumpers. Um, but I remember seeing a black spiky shirt like that in a shop over here. And I was debating for ages. Should I buy it? Should I not? Where am oh, I going to wear what that? Where am I going to wear that? Yeah. I, did, I did not buy it. Oh, goodness. I wanted pictures. I wanted pictures. Sorry. Those costumes were by Dexter Wong. And so when I started thinking about the money, I was like, where did the money go? Obviously for labor and like you used all of the Universal Studio sound lot. So I'm sure that was a lot of money. But those costumes were 15 to 20K is the estimate. And uh, I promise you, you know, we've got back then at the time we had some little outlets, discount clothing stores called Dots. And we had another called Rainbow. And uh, I yeah. promise you, those shirts were $7 in there. So I'm not sure. Seven? Oh, if it was $7, I would have bought it. This one was expensive. This was like probably over, well over 100 So that's why no. I didn't get it. Now, they weren't truly 3D like these shirts. They were, they were a little softer. Like you weren't going to put your eye out. But <laughs> <laughs> it would have sufficed and saved yeah. you 20000 I'm glad you didn't direct this video because you would have had people in the background with a sign. Hear your words. Tinfoil on the walls. Yeah. (laughs) Put some more tinfoil on your leg. You wouldn't be getting the Grammy. You're absolutely right. I would not have because this was funny. And in fact, I I remember the story about um, basically... Mark Romanek was checking in with Sony kind of because this was supposed to be, I think Janet said like a three day shoot and it ended up being like two weeks of filming. And that's a long time, guys. There are movies made in two weeks. Um, <laughs> Tyler Perry. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that they, they he remembers being on the phone with them and just getting reamed out. Like, do you think we're made of money and what is going on? And <laughs> Why isn't it done? And, you know, and they're just he said they were just really like (laughs) unprofessionally yelling at him. And then he hears a giggle. He notices that Mike's in the room and he's like he because he's like, I have a vision. And we this is Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson. And you can't just 
Um, you know, you can't just throw them on a blank canvas and just hope for the best. Like we have to design for them. And he had said he heard Michael in the room like, yeah, that's right. And then he, he's like, he had no idea that Michael was in the room with the Sony folks while they're yelling at him. But as soon as as soon as he spoke up, as soon as Michael spoke up, he was like, I knew I had won because no one said anything after Mike. And we're like, oh, OK, well, hurry up. And then it's like, hurry up. <laughs> That's funny. But still, they, they got their number ones. And a couple other interesting things about the video they talked about. So the overrun of the shoot, but they filmed. Obviously together, Janet and Michael, but they filmed separately as well. So they had four choreographers, but they had one hair person. <laughs> so <laughs> they <laughs> working overtime. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because Michael would film at night and Janet would do her solo shots the day. So they were literally working many crews around the clock, you know, swapping people out. But who didn't get the swap out was the hair lady. It was Janet's hair lady, Janet. And uh, she did both. She did their hair. So she was basically on call for (laughs) seven to ten days doing hair. I think we need to interview this hair lady, I think. (laughs) I think you do. Trauma. I'm actually um, thinking this uh, hair lady, Janet, uh, her son recently, I think, spoke out in support of Michael because... He did. So it is him. Okay. So, yeah, there's the photos in like that were in calendars of the era of Michael and it was clearly sort of, you know, taken maybe on the screen set with this this kid and so yeah we we probably should track her down jamin absolutely please do i would love to hear her story she still occasionally not often but she still occasionally does janet's hair and um she was with her since she was like 19 years old but talking about hair and kind of makeup kevin o'quan who was with janet at the time who lots of us still just think he was just a makeup artist extraordinaire i am one he was he was rest his soul absolutely absolutely he said that her look was really a mix of Edward Scissorhands meets futuristic Japanese superhero. So I can yeah, see that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I can I see like that. that. I love that look. That's one of my favorite Janet looks, actually. I actually, I actually think Michael should have done like uh, this is the closest I'll ever get to it. But I always thought Michael should have done some sort of live action Japanese anime film. And this is the closest I've got to yeah. it. Um, you know what I like about the song too is the uh, the lyrics and how like so how raw they are, how angry they are, and how poetic they are as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even just that first verse, you know, like it just sticks out to me so much. I absolutely love it. Um, and we were talking about having having an explicit tag before. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this is the first time in any Michael Jackson <laughs> song ever mm. that he swore on record. Yeah, he, he dropped did. the f bomb. He dropped right, it. I'm going to ask you all about it. When you first heard that, because they didn't play that on the radio edit. When you first heard that, what what did you think? When I heard it, I had to hurry up and turn it down because my mom was like, "What did he say?" I was like. <laughs> 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 Because, I mean, she bought it for me and she was just like, okay, it's Michael and we just jam it. And then when he said that, I was like, oh, hold up, let me turn this down. 
Come home and your CD is missing. <laughs> you know what? It really drove home to me how angry he was, you know, about yeah. the way that he was being treated by the media. Q, what about you? What did you think the first time? I was like, he did not just say that. He, yeah. he must have said, he said funk. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to rewind this and I'm going li- to, was, I was trying to convince myself, he said funk. And then yeah. I think my mum was like, what is he saying? And I was saying, he's saying funk. And I think they bought it. My parents might have bought it. but uh, And then I was like, he's not saying funk. He is. He's, insert yeah. swear word. He is yeah. peed off. At this the time, I was like, did Janet teach him that word? I don't know. <laughs> well, she she flipped off oh, the camera funny. and doing the video. <laughs> yes. She was hilarious in this video. Her whole persona, like, it was just full on snark and sass. And I yep. loved it. This was one of those moments where she really, I call it standing in the gap. Like, okay, if you're going to abuse my brother, then you're going to abuse me too because I'm going to be right here by his side. And you know what? We're That's not going to go down without a fight. That's it. So <laughs> I loved everything about that. I found an article earlier today that was written by MTV um, in 95 when the single just came out. Oh no, oh my, Michael Jackson says effing on new single. But mm-hmm. this, it's only a paragraph long, but it, it it's so ironic because it exemplifies everything the song's about. Let me read it. We're really embarrassed. Michael Jackson has finally let us down. First, there was all that messy business some years back when he was accused of doing unspeakable things with a little tyke. That wasn't funny at all. But the kid who accused him of that stuff took the money and ran, settling out of court, and charges were never filed against Jackson. Innocent until proven guilty. Now Jackson has this new album to sell, a greatest hits collection with a few new songs that he's so cleverly titled History. So what does he do? He swears on the first single. Guess he's ready to ditch the preteen audience. That's right. Michael Jackson, friend to the under four foot high generation, has this song titled Scream. It's apparently a defensive response to everyone who ever wrote something that Jacko didn't like. Jackson lets the media and all the rest have it with a cry of stop effing with me. We just wonder why he didn't arrange the song as a kind of call and response thing. You know, first Michael screaming, stop effing with me to the world. Then a choir screaming back at Michael, stop effing with us. Oh, well. Wow. So, so that's an MTV piece wow. that came out about Scream in 95. and if <laughs> Probably during Michael Jackson weekend. The nerve. <sighs> the nerve. They play both sides. They love doing that. Yeah. Mm. There wouldn't be no MTV without Mike. Mm. Yeah. So Absolutely. That just, just hearing that from MTV makes me go, how dare you go there? Well, I was just going to say what stood out to me from that article is, you know, he seems to be trying to belittle the fact or I guess minimize the fact that Michael would have a reason to be angry or to use this word against the media and in the same article you call him Jacko like Mm -hmm. sir you are proving his point (laughs) yes Uh, the the crap that MTV pulled with Michael so many times over the years like you know, for example, the Artist of the Millennium Award that they advertised and they got Britney to give him and then they, you know, pranked him like, you know, punked. You didn't get an award. You just made yourself look like an idiot on the on the stage. That so, was horrible. Yeah. And then a year later, they dragged that out. They dragged that out. They had Jack Black on stage a year later pretending to be Michael Jackson being a, like a total buffoon. Oh. But what was so, that about? He, like, I never figured out why they did that. He probably did something to annoy them and they were like, 
here you go. Let's get him back. That's I sort of still think that's sort of why HBO helped co-finance this current documentary. He didn't do the one night only HBO special. I think they held that against him forever after. And they were like, oh, here's a good opportunity, you know. If, if listeners want to know more about, you know, even the, the latest thing happening at the moment with the documentary and Wade Robson, who I believe worked with mm. Janet as well at certain times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're going to talk about that here oh. in a sec. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the live performances that Mike did. He opened the history tour with it. You've seen it live twice. <laughs> I did. I saw it twice in uh, 95. It was awesome. No, 96, sorry, 96. So jealous. One was, I think it was the back row and it was an outdoor stadium and that was over in <laughs> Brisbane. Uh, and then I did see it from the front row as well. So that was wow. pretty special. So I saw that <laughs> sp- the spaceship crash, like what sort of, what artist crashes a spaceship through the stage to launch a concert? Um, but he did it and then he launches into Scream as like a liquid metal spaceman of the future. And that was incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, I actually watched a few performances of that yesterday. Um, the Munich one is such glorious quality. You can find that on uh, YouTube, the Michael Jackson History Tour Munich. Um, but there's a few really great quality ones out there. And yeah, and they, so he launches with Scream, transitions into They Don't Care About Us, but that's probably about really the only times he did Scream live, isn't it, Jamin? Yeah, it is. And yeah, unfortunately, like it doesn't have the best reputation, that, that particular live performance, because it is completely lip-synced, unfortunately. It's not one of my favorite MJ performances, but one of the cool things about it, even though it was <laughs> lip-synced, was that he... Um, he re-recorded Janet's vocal parts from her, you know, the duet, uh, you know, in his singing voice. Yeah, I always thought it was a bit odd that they didn't use Janet's voice. Like when she does it, she uses Michael. Michael's And then voice. she sings her bits and, you know, Michael's on the screen and stuff like that. But his was very different to that. Yeah, it would have been cool to see Janet on the screen, really, oh at, God. at that show doing her yeah. parts. Or even once, just for one show somewhere, Janet come out on stage as well just to do that opening number with him. Like, that would have been amazing, and it never happened. That that would have been incredible. That would have been amazing. Yeah, Yeah, because I was hoping that she would come out on stage with him when he did the 95 MTV Music Awards. Me too, Mm. yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that, like, we totally missed with this song is, like, there was never, aside from the video, there was never another great hookup. But I think that's why the 2009 tribute was so in awe because we finally got it, even though Michael had passed, we finally did get a glimpse of how how wonderful it would have been, I guess. Yeah, let's talk about that some more. So that 2009 MTV tribute was literally amazing. Um, they assembled basically all the top choreographers of the time to uh, work with Janet there was also a lot of other dancers that did a, another um, presentation, kind of a presentation of mm-hmm. a medley of all of his other songs. But Scream was performed specifically with Janet and a group of, I think, eight uh, top choreographers. Um, mm-hmm. And Wade Robinson was one of them. Mm-hmm. He was. And he <laughs> was wearing gloves. He was I wearing th- He was those black gloves. Were they the Bad Video Glove or Dirty Diana? They were the black buckly gloves. 
He was wearing them. He's backstage saying he wanted to feel super close to Michael. Michael could be on stage with him, you know, have that real connection and that love for Michael and have that sort of embodied with him wearing some of his clothing in this performance. Yeah. Which is lovely, which at the time is lovely, but then, yes. you know, now people oh. tend to forget that because he's changed his story because, yeah. you know, he got trying to sell a book, trying to trying to do a lawsuit, and now this he's got a documentary. So so. It's interesting to go back and watch now. I watched the MTV. There was a making of Janet Jackson's Scream tribute. Mm-hmm. And so they had the mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes tribute of her getting together with the dancers and rehearsing with the dancers. And a couple things jumped out for me about that. One was just her great love for dance, dancers, and choreography. She has such a respect for it. And even still today, you know, she was just recently honored by um, choreographers in a, in LA. And she made a special trip from a perform- performance she had done that night in Las Vegas, got on a plane to go there and accept this award for a lifetime achievement in dance. And she probably talked longer than she's ever talked accepting any award. And I think she was just really touched. And so now as in then um, you see in the video and she's just talking about her great love. She's talking about each of them individually. She didn't say anything about Wade Robinson, ironically, but she talked about (laughs) most of them individually and just their achievements and how excited she was to dance with them and what it meant to her that these great beacons of dance would come and honor her brother. Even got Tina Landon out of the woodwork. Tina said she hadn't danced in 10 <laughs> years and she and Janet hadn't really spoken. You know, they had been the best of friends and then um, they had parted um, and uh, they hadn't really spoken. And it was Michael's tribute that brought them back together and how, once again, I'm always talking about her strength, but I mean, this woman, you know, four days after Michael's death, she gets on stage at the BET Awards and she, she makes a speech on behalf of her family. And now yes. to go out and perform the last project that you did with your brother and to go out and perform it as a tribute and to be awesome. Like, okay, you, you were awesome. She, for lack of a better word, she really, she was the highlight. And I love the way that they staged it. I like the way that they staged it with all the dancers behind her. But when that portion came where it was um, the dance break in the video, all the other dancers fell off and it was just a solo performance Mm -hmm. with Janet. And it was perfect. It wasn't perfect. There was some snags, but she's a professional. So the snags did not stop you. I, I don't know who could do that. I don't know what kind of work ethic. I don't know what that says, but to be able to just take all of those emotions and put them into your performance without falling into pieces. I don't know what that is. I think mm. uh, she's shown that strength over and over again. And I think the love for Michael and also their collaboration, their piece that they did together. I think that just gave her so much fuel. I also think if she was doing that, sort of tribute now there might she she might have a bit of a slip of the elbow and her elbow might swing into wade's face (laughs) there'd there'd be be a snag and she'd be like oh sorry (laughs) i wouldn't put it past janet to slip an elbow back into his face (laughs) absolutely and guys i can't i can't overstate how much like the you know the anger that you feel on the song scream the anger that michael and janet a feeling and singing about in the song scream the Michael fan community right now. We've got that rage in us. Like we have got that anger in us right now because this is one of the more difficult times that we've gone through as a community. Would you say Q like it's right oh, up there with 93. Yeah, it's right and up there. 
and, and his passing as well. Yeah, and his mm-hmm. passing. This is it is an incredibly difficult time for us right now. Um, to see what Michael went through in 93, 95, to be vindicated at his criminal trial that Janet was at defending him and and now to go through it all again. And we need to say, I need to say that Wade Robson, in case some of your listeners don't know, the, the man who's in Leaving Neverland with Jimmy Safechuck and Dan Reed accusing Michael Jackson of being a pedophile, Wade Robson, this man was the lead defense witness at Michael Jackson's mm-hmm. criminal trial. He's now alleging that he was brutally and repeatedly raped as a child by Michael Jackson. Why would Michael, an alleged pedophile, why would he call on Wade Robson to be his lead defense witness? How stupid would that be if he actually had been doing that? Absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. On the stand, Wade repeatedly said to Tom Mesero, Michael's defense attorney, that nothing ever happened. He was asked, very pointed, specific, repeated questions. Did Michael Jackson ever, you know, kiss you inappropriately? Did he ever hug you inappropriately? Did he ever touch you? You know, and he he just said no, 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 over and over and over again. You know, so this man yeah. is a, a proven perjurer. He he's yeah. according to his own facts. And, and it's important um, to to re- remind people that Wade Robinson was an adult. So we we talk about child molestation, but when he testified, he was an adult, and he testified that he was not molested as a child. He was he mm. was defense witness at a trial about child molestation. Asked very specific questions about molestation, and now he's like, "I didn't know what molestation was." Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. So there's a host of reasons, and this pains me, and I have to say it every time. It pains me greatly because I always want, I always say we must believe the victims first. And I think absolutely in this case, we all did that. I can't say we all, but it means start with the belief that someone is a victim and that you want to do what you can to protect them and keep them safe and make them able to testify. But it also means be judicious and use scrutiny in evaluating the claims. And in this case, you know, as a fan, I did that even as a child, I was able to discern that all of this is not adding up. All of these accusations that you're lobbing at Michael Jackson, they don't add up. Um, and, And the evidence and the facts bear that out. And so I was relieved at the time and I thought that that would be the end of it. Um, But I was clearly a very naive child who believed that just because you were proven innocent in a court of law that uh, you would be proven innocent in a civil society. And uh, that was not the case. And, you know, Wade did have, he actually did have his day in court. Wade did sue the Michael Jackson estate and all of its entities. And that case was thrown out of court because there was absolutely no um, evidence or standing. So You know, just you said something about Wade's career earlier. You know, he came up with these allegations uh, only months after petitioning the estate to get the Cirque du Soleil director choreographer job for the Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil show. And then he didn't get the job. And then months later, you know, this is when he first, one of his first Mm. stories came out, which has changed about half a dozen times since. Yeah. And I mean, what makes me angry as well is um, there are actually real problems in society really big problems in society that are going on right now and harvey weinstein yeah Mm -hmm. uh, exactly his trial his trial starts like next week or something it starts when this documentary is launching what a coincidence what a coincidence Mm. he had a documentary about his allegations at sundance as well you didn't hear boo about that Mm -hmm. we have gone so far off topic today oh my god (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, but getting back to the, uh, I just wanted to say this about the 2009 MTV tribute. Up to then, I thought all the tributes to Michael were kind of crappy. <laughs> Janet, Definitely. I just felt like she made sure it was done properly. I know I've seen some bad tributes. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah, there were some dodgy ones before that, wasn't there? Jamie Foxx <laughs> on BET. I, was like, I, I didn't Jamie want to Fox, say names. Oh. <laughs> but no. Janet, is, Janet performed this song at, was it the Global Icon Festival? Global Citizens Festival. Mm -hmm. Global Citizens, yeah, she performed it there. I'm glad you mentioned Global Citizens because that's another one of those times where Janet takes a point. She just does what she does because that was multicast, like all around the world, that performance. And in that performance, she cut a lot of songs. So it was basically her normal tour, her normal stage show, but she cut about a third of the songs. And Scream stayed. And another song that was questionable was what about which is her song about domestic violence stayed and uh, mm -hmm. not only did it stay but it was very graphic um in its depiction of mm -hmm. the song and she just chooses those moments and she doesn't always sit down in a chair across from you know robin roberts or you know whomever's doing the interview that maybe isn't her style these days but you're always going to know where she stands because mm -hmm. she puts it in her music. And when she curates a show, and that's what I call it because she has so many songs that she can choose from. But when she curates a show for an event, you know what's important to her. And her brother was important to her because she put him on TV simulcast all around the world um, in that performance. That uh, You've nailed it there. Like I think showcasing it on that particular that particular stage was so important because as much as it is about their frustrations with the whole Michael Jackson situation and and their love for each other and like it it does speak of other societal issues as well which was really like Janet's part in the song that people often remember um we have a friend, Andy Healy. He does free digital eBooks on Michael Jackson on videos, songs, albums, performances, and things like that. And he points this out in his, um, when he talks about the song scream in his book, um, I'll quickly just read the sentence, but balancing his own frustration and ill treatment, Michael paints a bigger societal picture in the breakdown as Janet sings, Oh my God, can't believe what I saw when I turned on the TV this evening. I was disgusted by all the injustice. One could easily relate it to only the plight Michael was subjected to, but cleverly layered under the mix. And Janet really cranks this when she performs it. You can actually hear this part. Layered under the mix is the news report that outlines how a man has been brutally beaten to death by police after being wrong, wrongly identified as a robbery suspect. The man was an 18-year-old black male, which sadly makes this a bigger story of ongoing justice suffered by many in the community. So Janet cranks that news. You can, you know, you can barely hear her whispering her lines because she's really cranked that that news story in the background and and I think that says a lot about not only the song and other issues that it is addressing, but also so much about Janet when she does this live. Mm. Wow. 
<laughs> I love that everyone's just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't my words. Natural. That's yeah. yeah credit, like, to wow. An- credit to Andy Healy over in his uh, MJ one hundred and one free yeah. ebook series. But big, yeah. big, big ups for that, and that is probably a spectacular note to leave it. Yeah. <laughs> Before we wrap, time to time on our pod, we do a segment called "Makes Me Want to Scream." Basically, Cam and I just offer seemingly mundane life irritants that make us want to scream. And it is particularly appropriate today, given our song choice. (laughs) Cam, what is currently making you want to scream? Okay, don't laugh. But what's making me want to scream is people who wear Nike shirts, but then wear Adidas shoes. (laughs) If you're going to wear Nike or Adidas, make sure your whole outfit goes together <laughs> nike adidas they're competitors champion and nike they're competitors Reeboks, wherever you finding them with nike don't go together <laughs> if i see that one more time i'm going to scream <laughs> well thank you thank you i really that used to bother me when i was much younger but i feel like people just don't care anymore like people do not care they don't <laughs> q what's making you want to scream okay so mine is work related um i love my job i really don't complain about my job much uh hashtag crew life i'm a flight attendant My make me want to scream is when you are serving on the drink cart and you're offering people, would you like tea or coffee? Sir, can I get you tea or coffee? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Maybe I might need a little bit more information or they'll say, they'll say, sir, can I get you coffee? Yes. Coffee. Okay. How do you take it? With milk. Okay. That Good to know. Okay. And then you give it to them. You give them the milk. Oh, I need sugar. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. You didn't tell me about that bit. You don't go to Starbucks and you walk up to the counter. I'll have coffee. You don't do that. Okay. Just say what you want. Yes. I will have a white coffee with two sugars. I will have a tea. Done. That's it. It's so easy. It drives me crazy. It makes me want to scream. Oh, my goodness. I love it. (laughs) That was a good one. Yeah. What you got, Jamie? Uh, I got a work one, too, and it's to do with, like, because I'm a teacher. Um, I got my classroom that I teach in has air conditioning in it, and uh, it's great in summer because it's so hot here. Uh, But the problem is when you got air con on and you got a whole class of grade nine kids, they all have different ideas of what, like sort of temperature they like in the classroom yeah so i'll have it on like the coldest because i like it really cold but i'm only like one out of 28 some people in the room so i'll put it on the coldest and then i'll get a kid raise their hand mr bull it's too cold can you please raise the temperature so i'll put it up a few degrees and then another hand goes up on the other side of the room it's too i need it down again it's uh, i can't stand it i can't find a temperature that suits the entire classroom i don't know what to do have you guys got any advice Yes, I have advice because this happens at my job as well. Little, okay. uh, like a lady will be sitting there in the tiniest little crop top and the shorter shorts. Like, are you wearing pants, lady? Are you wearing pants? Because all I can see is your leg up to your hip. And she's like, excuse me, I'm cold. Have you got a blanket? I'm like, have you got a jacket in the overhead locker I could get for you? Like, Jamin, tell your kids to bring jumpers to school. Jackets. And if they're cold, to in put summer. jumpers on. 
In summer, middle of summer, bring a jacket to school. Well, yeah. I suppose if they're coming to Mr. Bull's classroom, they got to be rugged up. I like it. Cold. Yeah, they got to be rugged up. That's it. Yeah. People need to dress appropriately. I agree. Yeah. Freeze them. Just freeze them. Tell them to layer. Layers, people. <laughs> Layers. Oh, my Lord. Courtney, what are you going to bring to the table? Oh, I don't know. Mine isn't any way as much fun as those. But uh, what's making me want to scream right now is people who don't use Twitter. Yes. So. My oh, my fr- God. That's me. <laughs> my f- my frustration is I feel like Twitter is probably the most ubiquitous platform and it's also the most diverse. Like you can get every side of the coin, every walk of life, every type of person and every type of bot on Twitter. But my frustration is like every now and then I'm forced to check in on Facebook because my family won't migrate from Facebook. And so just to know if they're dead or alive, I have to go there. But. My frustration is I'm frequently (laughs) tagged in things, right? So you get like the little notification and then you go to check on to see what you're tagged in. And it's like some little meme or a video or something. And I'm like, "Um, guys, I laughed at this two weeks ago because I'm on Twitter. (laughs) Like, (laughs) So true. That's very true. We got to have a family meet. (laughs) (laughs) He loves Twitter. I am. Addicted, addicted. <laughs> but ladies, before before we go, we completely hijacked your show, which I, I send my apologies to your listeners for. But um, I want to say thank you for all you do. Thank you for being such an awesome podcast, which you put so much work into. You know, we get value for money. We ain't paying for this. And yet you put so much effort in and it is so good. It is always a highlight when I get that notification uh, on my, you know, podcast app that there's a new episode and I love it. And what you're doing is so important for Janet and her fan community. So thank you so much. And, And that's a reason why we push it to our listeners, like we have a sister show, you know, Janet, Jan- Janet today, um, because you deserve thousands of listeners. And thank you for inviting us over. It's been a great barbecue. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. We're yes. so grateful to have you guys. And we want you to tell folks where to find you. Sure, of course. Well, you can find us um, pretty much at themjcast.com. That's our main website. It's a repository of all of our shows. We put them all on there. Um, but in terms of uh, listening to our show, we are a podcast. So we prefer people to listen to us on um, places like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio or any podcast app you can get on Android. Uh, but we certainly would prefer for you to listen to us as a podcast. Uh, we do lots of shows on news and discussion around Michael and the Jackson family and special interviews with with people that worked with both Michael and Janet. So get in there and listen to the MJ cast. We'd love to have you over as, as listeners. So, yeah, like Jamin said, you can find us there. But where if you just search anything uh, on whatever app or whatever for the MJ cast, uh, MJ cast is like one word, M-J-C-A-S-T. You'll find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, and you can email us the mjcast at iCloud.com. Mm-hmm. Again, we can't say thank you enough. We have enjoyed being a part of the Jackson podcasting family. And a lot of that is because of you guys. You, Your fans found us and introduced us to you and we're all the better for it. So again, <laughs> thanks so much. We love your podcast. We love what you're doing for the yes. Michael Jackson fan community. And specifically right now, mm-hmm. you're providing cover for Michael and, and defending him against 
alternative facts. Yeah. And you're providing comfort for those in the Michael Jackson fan base to know that they've got some folks who are feeling what they're feeling and that they can yep. speak with and commiserate. And, and so that's that's not a little thing you guys are doing. That's a really big thing now. And, and 40 years from now, when your podcast lives on as a part of Michael's legacy, it'll be an even bigger thing then. So congratulations to you guys for making it to Yay. season five. Five. We're about to launch number five. Yeah. We've <laughs> got to drop a mix. We've got a mixtape to drop. We do a mixtape. Lots at the of Janet in it. There is actually a lot of Janet in this mixtape. Um, so we're going to drop that sometime in the next few weeks. And then... We'll get back on the horse and we'll launch season five. And just a reminder, in case your listeners didn't know, you were actually on our show, episode 88. It's called Janet Got Busy. So if they haven't heard that, head on over to the MJ cast. You'll get a bit of a taste. It was one of the, probably the funnest episode we recorded last year for sure. So episode <laughs> 88, you guys were on it and it was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And just, thank you. And just on a personal note, I want to say thank you to you guys as well. You know, just like, my, uh, Janet was always there for Michael when he was going through tough times. I really personally appreciate you guys reaching out to us during this tough time for us and and uh, wanting to talk about Scream. So thank you. It means, it means a lot, actually. Yep, we got yes, your back. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, that really is it for us for now. If you need more Janet Jackson, which we know you need more Janet Jackson, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you are already a subscriber of this podcast, please leave us a comment wherever you are listening. Your comments and likes help other people find us, especially on iTunes. Yes, please leave us a comment on iTunes if you can, even if you listen elsewhere. And tell a friend to follow us on social media at JJ Today Pod. We would love to hear from other fans. Our intro and outro music is provided by Good For You by THBD. Is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. Janet today, Janet tomorrow, Janet forever.